Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Pigman, Agent 47, or 47, however you want to say it. My name is Tom Chick, and I've brought along Christian Mostanoskari. Uh, actually, it's pronounced G, which is Polish for three. And with our uh, Hitman Agent 47 tagline, we have Kelly Wan. Uh, it's my 47th favorite entry in the franchise. <laughs> Kelly Wan, do you have a backup that isn't quite so mean? Uh, it's the one where Kurilenko doesn't show him. Hmm. Now you're making me sad. Kelly Wan, do you have one that'll make me less sad? Uh, it's the one we saw, uh, this week. <laughs> Uh, now you're taking away from uh, Dingus's shtick. Um, by the way, uh, uh, Olga Kurlenko gets naked in the first Hitman. Oh yeah, and Max Payne. See, Dingus yeah, Max Payne makes an appearance. It's weird because Hitman is there, yeah. and then Max Payne comes walking in, and he takes off his drawers. One of the things that I realized this week, and uh, Dingus only helped me realize it when he wanted me to see something from the Hitman movie. I don't, I don't think I saw the original one. I know you guys did uh, the uh, <laughs> just the for that mini movie club podcast thing on it when I was gone. Um, and, and I, it's oh, shit, I forgot about I, it. I realized, sure, I've seen the Hitman movie, but I, I don't think I had. But you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get into that shortly. Um, it's a weird Kurilenko connection, though, because she is in two Max stupid Payne video game movies. Yeah. She's been around. And Timothy Oliphant, Tom. Yeah. Is in Her- Well, I know he's in Hitman. He's Hitman. Oh, right. But he's not in yeah. Max Payne. Well, no. No. No, I'm just saying that's why you should have cared so much about seeing the first. Uh, I'm not the uh, the justified fanboy on this podcast. That's clearly Dingus's department. So, uh, like Timothy Oliphant, the only touchstone I have for him is basically go. I guess the Doug Lyman. And Dingus is all Hitman Beaumont. What? I was just thinking about the, the Kurilenko con- the Kurilenko connection as sung by Kermit the Frog. All connection. Uh, Kelly Wand, before we get into too much Hitman talk, we got oh, yeah, let's we'll slow down. Yeah. Kelly Wand, do you have an IMDb plot synopsis that you could read to me and Dingus so that we could have a contest to figure out which one of us would recognize the movie that it's from first? <laughs> yes, and I want to say I've been keeping the stats on the contest, and they're, ah. they're getting it's almost neck and neck. Who is in the lead, though? Who's winning? Uh, it's a tie. Damn. All right. So this will be it's a tie. Zero, zero, because, yeah. This will be a tiebreaker, and this is a very important one you're saying. So, Kelly, why don't you read us the synopsis? Me and Dingus, we just buzz in by saying the name of the movie when we know it, right? Yeah, I don't. I didn't mean to imply it's important. I just meant to imply when he would be ahead in the contest. I see. Well, it's important to me. <laughs> well, you, you're very much about winning, and Dingus is very much about uh, just understanding the rules of what he's playing. Dingus, uh, he, he, he's good at showing up. Yeah. He's a lovable, yeah. He's good for um. Right, I, I he's I like one of those stand-ups uh, in King Perfect Comedy. attendance pin, and Tom would pick punctuality. <laughs> he's right, like so. one of the um, stand-ups where they make the uh, sports arena look like it's full of spectators. Yeah, I don't get to your sports reference. I, if you had made that a reference to the throne room scene at the end of Star Wars, I might have gotten it. Game of Thrones room. Oh, it's not a throne room. Is it where they get their awards? Where at the at the end of Star Wars, they go to a room and they get awards. The award the award room. They get medals or something, and and they didn't yeah. they didn't have enough like actors to fill it up, so they had stand ups, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I was I thought they just didn't have enough rebels. I was led 
to that impression. But in fact, they're always running away, and they go to Hoth, but they still have a throne room. That they're not worried about being infiltrated. Um, they have metal ceremony. By the way, where, did, never the, metal. where did the ceremony take place? Because Alderaan got blown up. Oh, it's Yavin, right? So in Yavin, yeah. Okay, right. And that's just that's one of, that's one of their the bathrooms. That's not even the throne room. It's just a bathroom. <laughs> wow, Yavin sure is opulent. It really is. I hope that doesn't cause problems in the future, like with any sort of like public dissent about the rebels having this uh, extravagant living. Actually, that, one's, that was well, just Chewbacca's bathroom. <laughs> Splinter in Mind's Eye is about septic problems. Oh, I should not uh, Grammel. Yeah. All right, well, Kelly wants to give us a Pearl plot like a synopsis. Uh, I'm ready. You guys are just trying to get me off my game with all this Star Wars talk. I won't have it. So, <laughs> Which you brought to, up. But I did not. <laughs> kind of did. Okay. Now, let's, let's get to the IMDb plot synopsis, Kelly Wand. What do you got for us? Okay, this is a movie I don't remember if I saw or not, much like Hitman. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Cabot is a champion gymnast. Jim Cotta. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, I was going to guess American me. Sorry about that. Sorry, I hear Jim, and that you don't need to go any farther. I just, I, I'm like, yep. wait, wait. Okay. It's really short and it's funny. By the way, I've um, never seen Jim t- either. I don't know. I don't know who's the who's the gymnast dude who's in it. Like Kurt uh, something or other. What's the guy's name? Kurt Russell. No, Kurt, some, um, isn't there some Kurt, Olympic gymnast who decided to be an actor and he made Jim Cotta, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now he switched gender. No, he did no, not. It's not that. Plus, that guy's a swimmer or something. All right, so give us the rest just, of the Jim Cotta IMDb plot synopsis, Kelly Wan. Uh, it's kind of for you um, and Dingus. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Cabot is a champion gymnast in the tiny yet savage country of Parmistan. <laughs> there is a perfect spot for a Star Wars site. It's called Parmistan. Did you follow all of that? Like yeah, Star Parmistan. Wars, like the Reagan-era defense initiative Star Wars site, like that? Yeah, I like that you seized on that part and Dingus liked Parmistan. Like, there's something for each of you. And it really went the other way from the way I would have expected. <laughs> you're expected, right? Yeah. Tiny at Savage Country of Parmistan cheese. There's a perfect spot for Star Wars site. For the U.S. to get this site, they must compete in the brutal game. <laughs> the government calls on Cabot, the son of a former operative, to win the game. Cabot must combine his gymnastic skills of the West with fighting secrets of the East and form Jim Cotta! <laughs> Mr. Wand! <laughs> Alright. That's it. We did it. Kelly Wand, Tom wins. Made me realize, I won. Yeah, and, and you've made me realize I cannot wait for this week's plot synopsis, but we'll get to that in a moment. First, Dingus... Wait, but... It, do you remember the Jim movie? I remember seeing in high school another Jim movie mm-hmm. with Mitch Gale. Never too young to die? No, oh, it was uh, American uh, something, and I don't remember what it was, but I think it was Mitch Gaylord. Anthem. He's not the one in Jimcato, was he? No, it's American Anthem. Janet Jones is in it. How did you remember that? Holy cow! Because I remember her and everything. She's oh, only made like you're three right. Movies. It was American Anthem, and I called it American Me. I'm sorry, Edward James. Mitch Gaylord. It had MTV videos about it. Oh, I just remember this Anthem. moment where his father comes running down the hallway and breaks his arm. And that's how we know he's an abusive father. How? How does he break it? He, he twists it behind his back like he, like the uh, sort of like uncle-uncle oh, the, moment, but he just snaps it. He uses Jim Cotta on him. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Take that. Wait, so the, Dad's a better athlete, that's why I said. Well, Dad's a bigger guy. Dad should be winning the game in Parmistan. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Tom, you were talking? Well, who, do we know who the Jim Cotta guy is? Because I feel like it's someone famous whose name that once you say it, I'll go, oh, yeah. Haha, you care. 
Um, I thought it was someone famous. Maybe not. All right. It's I mean, not a gymnast. It's Kurt somebody like Kurt Smith or Kurt Jones. Kurt Thomas. Kurt Wood Smith. Oh, Kurt it Thomas is, Kurt is Thomas. the actual answer. Yeah. It is Kurt Thomas. Oh, well, oh, it's Kelly. Okay. <clears throat> I think Kelly looked it up, though. I did. Is that okay? That's okay. I was just trying to end the madness. Right. Thank you. Because we would have been here all day. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, now that we've sorted out our gym action movies, Angus, why don't you tell folks, just a little bit in common with what we saw this week, why don't you tell folks what we saw this week? (laughs) Very good, Tom. Nice segue. Merp. Uh, This week we saw Hitman, colon, Agent 47. Hmm. A 2015 American action video game adaptation thriller movie. I might take exception with the American part of that. I take exception with the action part. (laughs) Davis, what part do you take exception with? Adaptation. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Davis is a purist about the game. Yes, I, I am. As Dom will tell you later. Uh, about he's actually bald. About a super secret assassin with an obvious barcode tattoo on the back of his bald white head. It stars Rupert Friend, mm. Dan Bacadal. Uh, Angela Baby, mm. or Angela Baby, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you say Kieran? Is it Kieran Hines? How do you say his name? I think it is like your son's name. Thing. Yeah. I think it's like we're used to seeing it and thinking it's something like Ciarian, but I think yeah. it is just like an alternate spelling of like Kieran. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I think Kieran. Yeah, yeah. Kieran Hines and Hannah Ware. <laughs> it was directed by Alex Ander Bach mm-hmm. and written by Skip Woods and Michael Finch. Mm-hmm. Hitman, colon, Agent 47, is rated R. Yeah, it is. For sequences of strong violence and some language. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hitman opened on its opening weekend at number four. <laughs> oh, my God. Made $8 million. It, it, it came in fourth after Straight Outta Compton, Mission Impossible, uh, and even Sinister 2 on its opening weekend, which no. uh, beat Hitman, Agent 47. I must say, I, I cannot tell you how happy I am that Straight Outta Compton is doing well. I haven't even seen it, but uh, but I really I want I like to. that it's doing well. I think we all want to. Yeah, why haven't we seen it, and why don't we do a podcast? Do because they won't release it in Europe for obvious reasons. There's obvious reasons being that Europeans don't get rap or or hip-hop, I guess. If if it had been a jazz movie, they would totally do it in France. So I want to see it because I I hear a lot about it, and I just wonder how much of it is – maybe this is a little too incendiary to say – but how much of it is this like white liberal, oh, yeah, we got to be supportive of biopics about black artists, which, which by the way, mm. I, I think like NWA and Eazy-E and, and Ice Cube, like, those guys are uh, – their accomplishments are, are beyond reproach. Um, but I'm just wondering, is this just going to be some sort of soggily reverent um, story of their their rise? Like I, I know that some of the – there have been complaints about uh, – the, the treatment of, of women, like who, one of them, I think, was actually charged with assault for, for beating up his girlfriend, and that's not in the movie, right? Um, oh, really? It's apparently it's a criticism. It's been whitewashed, the movie. ironically. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I want to see it because I'm mainly curious. Is this thing really good or uh, yeah? And it's, there's never nothing ever makes more money because of white guilt, like fucking Selma made jack shit, right? 
Yeah, but 12 years made a lot of money, didn't it? Yeah. 12 years, I think, was mainly, uh, like, had a lot of Oscar cachet. I don't know how well, it, how commercially successful it was. Um, but I, I just mainly, you know, I, I, I remember when the, the trailer came on, I just thought it was going to be some sort of a, a, a throwaway thing for, uh, for fans of NWA. And the studio thought that too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think Universal was definitely taken aback by how well it's done. Um, and it's been it's part of a, you know, they've had a, an amazing year. Uh, and, and part of it is straight out of Compton. So I feel like we need to see that. And Jurassic. Good God. Jurassic, Furious, whatever number. And yeah, yeah. No, they've, oh my God. They're so rich. Yep. They've got all the money. I hope they use their powers for good. I do too. Yeah. Like with yeah, even straight out of Compton. Right. They'll make another Jaws movie just because of all they have all the, like, well, so we can't do anything wrong. Let's make Jaws 5. Fox, yeah. on the other hand, can't be very happy with uh, this year. Partly, you know, Hitman Agent 47 did not do well for them commercially. But let's see what the critics thought. Uh, on, on Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, Hitman is at 29. On Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews that are positive, 8 Ah, they didn't make 47. 8% positive. Oh my god, 8%? Yeah, 8%. Holy cats. Another way to think of it, Dingus, is that 92% of the reviews are negative. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. So, sometimes sometimes the glass is 92% empty, sometimes it's 8% full. How come when there's a 30% chance of rain, they just don't go? It's a 70% chance on that. Kelly, what, on that note, let's move on to a synopsis. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You don't want to... Um... Yeah, well, tell you what I would like from you is the Hitman Agent 47 synopsis. That's sad. No, I, I, was, I was phoning that one in, I admit. Just like the movie. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say something. You thought I was going to not phone one in and actually do one for real? No, I thought when I said, just like the movie, <laughs> you were going to go. You thought you were going to do yeah, one cool, in. Kelly. Yeah, cool, Kelly. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about that shortly, but first, let's have a synopsis. For the listeners who maybe haven't seen it and want it spoiled, or who maybe have seen it and are looking forward to having some of the finer points of the plot explained to them. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is kind of a rush job. I apologize in advance. Uh, Hitmopsis, Agent 40 Sopsis. Things I misremember hearing in Hitman, colon, Agent 47. A voiceover's all. A bunch of stuff's about to happen over a little girl. Only she's an adult now. Librarian woman, I need you to give a shit about this newspaper clipping. Don't touch me! There are 4,857 chromosomes and 6,081 expository 3869s and two Agent 47 movies. I'm afraid I can't help you, young high-maintenance female, but since it's me job to ask, what's this father figure to you? Uh-huh. I'm after Zachary Quinto. If you want to live, watch me shoot up this airport. All right, then, to you, PC symbol. Uh, I bet you didn't think we'd bring all your guns in this interrogation room and not cuff you. Well. Do you love your family and two children? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, you just brought them to me. Wow, Quinto's the villain. I guess everyone who knew the title of the movie... Wasn't Quinto assumed as much, but why did you shoot me across 50 miles of skyscrapers? That was a dick move. I wasn't shooting you. I was marking you. Okay. But why not just shoot Quinto? Get down! Uh, there's no one here. 
Why are you saying that? This is, get down. Can you untie me at least? This is really annoying. <laughs> untie yourself. Go in this hallway. Also, here's a jet engine. <laughs> Papa. Daughter character. I never meant for anything interesting to happen. Get down. Uh, why does he keep saying that so often? He's just dumb. According to my stopwatch here, took you way too long to say that. Quinto's all. Seal the building. Slowly. I said slowly. <laughs> Drive through that glass packing structure. <laughs> Trust me. Wow, you're always right. Seal the building some more. Like with the door. I said... <laughs> God damn it. I wrote this in longhand, allegedly. Seal the building some more. Like with a door or something. I said something. That's Quinto, by the way. He's, when he screams, you can't tell. Traffic cones. We're not going to make it. Trust me. We made it. Disregard. All right, old man. Here's some blue milk syringe for you. Now tell me, how do you make syringes? <sighs> Pain too intense <sighs> for me to say <sighs> things. <sighs> Guess I'll give you more of it. Wait, I'll tell you. <sighs> You're a worse character than Hitman. All right, Quinto, I'll handle this. Gone too far. Now, Mr. Raider, how do we make you stop insulting us? I'll tell you. I feel more coherent suddenly. You are also a worse character. Why, you? Look out, a woman flying a helicopter. Hitman, thank you. My father's finally dead. Now what? A dead guy's eyes open. Some words are all directed by somebody. Another dead guy's eyes open. <laughs> I look over at Timothy Oliphant and price check the symbol on the back of his head. <laughs> Beeps. <laughs> the end. Sorry, so short. No, Kelly, one, you know what? Sometimes short is totally fine. That was very nice. Thank you. I saw that movie five hours ago. So, nope, no problem. Bear with me. Kind of rolling the countries. All right. So there's the opposite. That's all I got for you. Sorry. Nope, no, that's Sorry. not all. Well, we expect more from you, Kelly Wand. Uh, why don't you start, Kelly Wand, and tell us what you thought of it. <sighs> uh, what I thought of Hitman was... I like parts of it, actually. Mm -hmm. I like It like had some interesting twists. Um, but then there was way too much of the dad character and too much exposition, and I didn't give a shit about her background. And... Um, it felt like uh, I know this is a movie you champion, Tom, and I don't mean it in this in that way, but like it's one of those. Her brain, she's getting up to hundred percent, so she's getting better, and it's like, you know, okay, untie yourself. Oh wait, I just have to think about it for a second, and then too much. I think there's a whole subgenre basically of normal people waking up to their mundane super spy powers, and yeah, like Lucy, limitless. Is yeah, like Lucy, Hannah, limitless, and and this. Uh, which I thought was a very pleasant surprise. Uh, this is what this turned out to be. You know, uh, Hannah Ware's character, it's kind of about her discovering, hey, Your name's Hannah. she's got a super, she's a super spy. And, yeah, but she has an H at the end. Right. Yeah, very different. And she's all grown in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so uh, I, don't, um, I don't take issue at all with you invoking Lucy. Um, I like that you liked it. I felt... Uh, it has some like decent. There's some certain action. Tom did sorry, not what? say he liked it. He yeah. said he was pleasantly surprised. I was pleasant. Yeah. Well, that's liking it. 
Well, we'll get to that in a moment, won't we? But I liked um, it has a lot of cool imagery in it, like that one part where the car gets shot with a bunch of uh, zip wires. Uh, it doesn't really, I don't know. It's it, and it felt like like of all video game movie adaptations, it kind of felt like a video game in a good way. Unlike say Doom, where it's like they're just kind of like shoehorning the video game shit in instead of forgetting about it like they should. Dennis, you go next because I know you've been. Uh... You, you called me in to show me something in Hitman, so you at least you, I know you at least watched the uh, original Hitman again to do some uh, prep work. Uh, what did you think of this, and how did it hold up next to the original? <laughs> um, well, I, um, I couldn't be more surprised that I liked it as much as I did. I really like this thing. <laughs> uh, I really like the guy in it. Um, since you brought up the original Hitman, I might as well get it out of the way. Uh, the original Hitman will be my under, but um, mm-hmm. uh, watching it again, I, you know, when I first told you about it, Tom, I really talked down the in, the original Hitman um, in a lot of ways. But watching it again, I think it's better than I realized at the time, and I didn't give Timothy Oliphant enough credit because yeah. I th- I think he looks ridiculous as a shave. Mm-hmm. Some people can carry off a bald head. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, sadly, as much as I love that dude. He can't do it. He just kind of looks like yeah. a duck. Um, <laughs> he, he looks like a duck. And he's as handsome a dude as anybody. On the back of his head. Um, but I think that that's kind of the point in a way because of the program that they're doing with the whole agent program. Um, but, yeah, I really liked this thing. I feel really weird about that. Um, there's a lot of problems, but I really liked it. Do you guys know who this originally was a vehicle for? No, because uh, that, that's weird, because I, oh. I I love the guy who was the lead. You know what? I did, too, and uh, I, as much as I love the guy who was originally supposed to be in this, I cannot imagine it working with him, although I'm sure Fox would have much rather had this guy. Uh, this was going to be, before he died, Paul Walker's next movie. Oh, holy shit. What? Oh. Yeah. Oh, God, I can't uh, imagine that. I, I really, really like the guy who's the lead. I liked Rupert Friend a lot. Well, they brought him in, you know, after Paul Walker died, and they this was a, a pretty much a, a done deal. Like, it, it, the, the I's were dotted, the T's were crossed. It was going to be a Paul Walker vehicle. Um, and cool. then he died, and they, you know, what do we do with this this production? Um, and so they, they brought in Rupert Friend, who, I, I don't know how folks know him, but... In the the announcements, he was described as they brought him in from Homeland. He's one of the characters in Homeland, which I haven't oh. seen. Um, hmm. Oh, you? Oh, I thought that's where you. I thought that's why you kind of submitted to seeing this was because he's from that show. I actually don't. I know there's a board game based on Homeland that I really right. like. So oddly enough, I know <laughs> I know Rupert Friend from a little card that has his picture on it. It says Peter Quinn. He's like one of the characters in this game that I've played. <laughs> Peter um, Quinn. Peter Quinn is his character's name in Homeland. He's uh. the. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know that, and I like that game too. Oh man! Yeah. So uh, yeah, this was supposed to be a Paul Walker vehicle, and I'm sure the 20th Century Fox was banking on uh, him being a name to get people into the theater. And I, I think, although I, I really liked Rupert Friend as well, I think that's one of the reasons that this movie just didn't didn't sell any tickets. No. Nobody's gonna. There, there's no name in here. There's no reason for anyone to see this. Right. And as a video game, it doesn't carry enough. Uh, like I don't think it's a well-known enough video game to get people out. Uh, I don't think Quinto is a draw. Well, that's another. Yeah, I don't, he's definitely not. Like, uh, uh, yeah. but Jurgen Prock now surely would have 
put butts in the seats. I can't believe that's all that they got him yeah. to do. I mean, yeah, I guess it was like, uh, hey, let's bring it. He's German. We're shooting in Germany. Let's uh, go ahead and <laughs> somebody call Jurgen Prock now, and we'll have him shoot today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm with you, Dingus. I I was surprised at how much I really liked this. Uh, and here, I think, is the key to liking this movie. Um, and I, I'm also a little disappointed. Uh, why is this such a redheaded stepchild critically speaking like why is it an eight i haven't yeah like i haven't read the reviews and um yeah. but just looking at eight percent of them only are positive 92 percent of the reviews are overall negative i don't understand why this movie got beat up so much and i guess i could go and read the reviews and find out but i don't whatever uh i don't care that much to find out but it's puzzling to me that this competently made kind of sleek kind of sexy Really? It's also cool. it's also smart and funny. There's funny parts. There's character development and there's some there's some interesting performances. Like why doesn't that get recognized and why do people just dump on this? I understand why nobody would go to see it, but why do people who see a lot of movies and who know what direct a lot of action movies can be, why would they dump on this thing? That's surprising to me. Well, I think you've said before and I think accurately that there, there's a certain brand of critic and a certain brand of genre movie that just gets dismissed. And I think that, I think that the idea of this particular movie being both a sequel and purportedly based on a video game and a sequel. I think that's I think a lot there's of a, There's a, a certain amount of just dismiss it. That's a remake. And, yeah, I think, and I was ready to dismiss it, but oh, I'm going to sit, yeah. you know, as I go to any movie, I'm going to sit there and go, okay, go ahead and do what you're going to do. And I was constantly wowed by it. But I think that people just dismiss. And I, I think you're right about it being the video game element, um, is yeah. that uh, a lot of people just like, like, why would you go see some dreck with, with Schwarzenegger in it? Like, what was that thing? Uh, with Johnny Knoxville that he was in The Last Stand, for instance. Mm, mm. Uh, the Last Stand is horrible, but it has Schwarzenegger. So I think people go and they see it, and they're like, well, it's a Schwarzenegger movie. I should turn my brain off or whatever. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's not a video game. game. Uh, yeah, but they go to a video game, and and, and immediately, I, I don't know. It just it just, it just rubs me wrong that something that I, that I thought was very, at times, very well done yeah. uh, gets dismissed so readily. Um, so, but here is the key, by the way, to appreciating Hitman Agent 47. And I cannot <laughs> recommend doing it this way enough, uh, with the exception of what you have to do to get ready. But to really appreciate Hitman Agent 47, what you do is first, you go see American Ultra. <laughs> then, after you're recovering from that piece of crap, you go see Hitman, because basically, they're the same movie. Um, oh. But one is done serviceably. American Ultra is just terrible. It is wretched, and they're and they're, in a, they're they're to me a fascinating study in what makes a a, a a a trashy action movie work and what makes it just fall apart. And American Ultra, on on so many levels, like American Ultra just screws up what Hitman gets right. Um, and I I. Just, yeah, so I think that's what I think you, you should do to really appreciate it. For what it's worth, I saw the first 20 minutes of Southpaw right before Hitman, long story. But it was kind of like I was sort of that was sort of sucking me in. And so I was sort of left resentfully to go see Hitman. So I left with a, with a, a bad attitude for Hitman when I went in. So well, like Dingus and I said, I mean, we both were dreading having to see it. Uh, so I, I was right. 
I was just like, oh, God, let's get this over with. And I, I wonder, too, how much does that help? Is that when you are pleasantly surprised by some of the twists, by some of the performances, some of the set pieces? Um, yeah. So. But it's also – it does feel a little interchangeable. Like, it, it, like I like it. I like, I like I sort of agree with what you guys are saying, but there's a lot of movies like that. Um, and I didn't see American Ultra. Also, too, like there's a lot of there's a, like, movie criticism. There's just a lot of snark. Like they want to be part of that. Right. Ninety three. Like they want they want to pile on whether it's a video game movie or not. And I've noticed there just seems a lot more polarization. Like everything's now like a ninety or a three. Well, here, well, that's not how Rotten Tomatoes works, so it doesn't really uh, – like Rotten Tomatoes is just is the review positive or not. But here's something that I think is th – this is what sort of gets me is then I looked up American Ultra, which is also a rookie director. Um, there's no real name draw in it. Um, there are some very good actors in it. Uh, but American Ultra is at 50 on Metacritic. Uh and it's at 48% on, on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's kind of like smack dab in the middle in terms of what percentage of the reviews are positive and how people reviewed it. Um, but I think American Ultra is just terrible compared to Hitman. Uh, and so why does that get a pass? Like why are people – and maybe it's because it doesn't have the video game stigma. Um, people assume, hey, Jesse Eisenberg is in it. He's a great actor. Uh, but it's just astonishing to me that American Ultra – is getting this kind of middling, yeah, whatever it was. Hitman is just <laughs> thumbs down. Makes no sense. Wait, what's American Ultra's premise? Uh, the same thing. So basically, Amer well, not the same thing. Uh, it's it's that genre you, you mentioned before, Kelly Wan, like with Lucy, where uh, what if a normal person discovers – right. like, what if your mundane life is, is suddenly uh, enlivened by the fact that – and this is what I did with my over and under – enlivened by the fact – that you are now uh, awakened as a super spy. Um, so American Ultra, Jesse Eisenberg, is a stoner. Uh, his girlfriend is Kristen Stewart. Oh, right. Um, right. And this is, by the way, American Ultra is a Max Landis script. And we know Max Landis ew. from – Yeah, ew. From Chronicle. Uh, so whereas this is a – like this is one of the things that I would distinguish Hitman from American Ultra, by the way. American Ultra feels like young adult fiction. It's not – but it has that same feeling of this, this young character just wanting to hang out with his girlfriend, and he spends his time doodling comic books and, like, dreaming up this comic book plot about an ape and a dog that goes into space, whatever. Um, but one day, people arrive in town, super spies, and start trying to kill him. And when they do that, he realizes that he knows, like, super kung fu, and he knows how to take their guns and dismantle them, and it's this born identity kind of thing. Um, so it's this stone. It's more of a boring identity. <laughs> it, it is so, and, and the, the the action scenes in American Ultra are are just not incompetent because the camera doesn't break or anything. But there's no energy or excitement to them. Um, yeah. And the funny thing is, if we look at the director of Hitman, he's a first time director for as far as a feature film. Um, he's he's a German fellow who is, has a, a long background with making music videos and commercials. Um, and it's the same case with the director of American Ultra, who is uh, the he's he's a, he's a British fellow, but he's, he comes from an Iranian family. Uh, his name is Nima Noradaza. I'm probably mutilating that. Uh, and he made a movie called Project X, which was about some young kids having a crazy party. Uh, and that's his only other oh, yeah, movie. Yeah. But before Project X, his background was in music videos and commercials. Um, 
So whereas Hitman, Hitman has all this like – Hitman has really sleek, sexy, cool production values, and it really looks great in, in, in several places. Uh, and um, American Ultra is doing this kind of aggressively grunge, hey, I'm just a slacker t- type guy. Um, like it doesn't have that super cool, sexy vibe to it. Um, and and it's wait. Yep. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just gonna say. Wait. Project X guy directed American Ultra. Hitman. Oh, okay. No. So Hitman is a first time director named Alexander Bach. Um, uh, American Ultra is uh, Nima Noradzade, uh, who did Project X. Um. Wait, that's Project X has some. I don't know. That guy has a good eye. I was going to say, but that's what I thought. I actually didn't see Project X. I I realized for the longest time I've conflated Project X and Twenty One and Over. What? All I can think of is (laughs) Matthew Broderick and Monkeys. That's another. I think Project X and Helen Hood. Yeah, Best Actress Helen Hood. Actress Twenty One and Over, which I have seen, is the Hangover guys basically doing the Hangover, but with teenagers. Uh, Uh. Well. Yeah, Hitman. So yeah, let's talk about some of the action sequences in Hitman. So let, let me give you an example of action sequences in American Ultra. And then let's talk about Hitman in, in contrast. In American Ultra, uh, the action sequences have, have sort of a lot of smoke, and there's a lot of cutting around it. You can't really see what's going on. Here's, the, here's their idea of a set piece. Um, Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart have been arrested uh, by the local sheriff. This all takes place in a very small town. Uh and they're in jail, they're in the lockup, and the sheriff is being a jerk and won't let him out. And meanwhile, these super badass assassins um, come to the, 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 to the sheriff's office, there's two of them, with a big old huge assault rifle. And then one of them is like a, is a super psychotic killer guy. Uh, and they storm through the police station, killing all the cops, and they're going to kill Kristen Stewart and Jesse Eisenberg in their jail cells. But they get out, and there's a fight. And at some point during the fight, uh, the uh, assassins have cut the power so that the cops can't call for reinforcements, so that there's no, you know, the lights are turned off. Um, and then another point, the, the power comes back on. And with it, a radio starts. So during this fight, there's some sort of a country ditty song playing in the background. Um, but then the police, and, the, and then at some point, this country ditty song fades into where it's the soundtrack playing, like it's the, the song playing over the sequence. And the police station blows up, and they go outside to finish the fight, and there's the whole action sequence there. But even though the police, police station is blown up, for whatever reason, the director is still playing that song. Like at one point, the song sort of transcends the police station and exists in some other plane, but we're still listening to it. Um, and there's no explanation for why that is. Uh, he just wanted to have a, con- a little country ditty playing over this supposedly hyperactive action scene. Uh, hmm. Made no sense. It didn't go together well. I didn't understand why he did it. Um, now let's contrast that with some of the action sequences in Hitman. Uh, what stood out for you guys? Or, or did t- tell me what you thought of some of the action sequences in Hitman. Um. <clears throat> I kind of liked how they were paced, and there were little like when Zach, when he stabs Zachary Quinto, and then nothing happens, and then Quinto's all pretty crazy, huh? Like, I kind of liked that line. <laughs> um, I like I like I like Carl. Go ahead, go ahead, Kelly. Sorry. No, no, you go ahead. I think I'm running low already. Um, 
I, I like how this movie, action-wise, has the balls to make a Matrix joke and then sort of a Terminator and a Terminator 2 joke in the same general area. And the Matrix joke, do you guys know what I mean by the Matrix joke? No, I don't think I caught it. All right. This is where I really, where I really truly started to love this movie. Um, and that's at the, um, at the embassy where, uh, Zachary Kinto has gotten them in by shooting in the, into the sky and they get dragged in. And, uh, his reaction, Agent 47's reaction is to follow them in and, and send his guns in with him. And that scene at the, um, at the uh, metal detectors, I think is very clearly a scene is, is, is yeah. a quote about the lobby matrix scene. And first right. I thought, oh, you're just aping that because even if you listen to the music, there's this and you see the thing yeah. going through and you see the guy looking surprised at the things he sees. And then agent 47, seven opens his coat to show the guns. And you're like, Oh no, the, he's, this guy, Alexander Bach, is just going to ape the whole Matrix scene. But instead, all he does is go, oh, I surrender. <laughs> Which I totally loved. And then he winds up in that that interrogation room. Well, they didn't handcuff him, Dingus. They did handcuff him. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Kelly. Kelly Wand, yeah. It's the whole... Uh, yeah, right. I'm dumb. Never oh. But then you go back and you see Katya in that room where the police are just keeping her. And it, and it reminds me exactly of Linda Hamilton in that room, like looking around scared as something, something scary is going on in the police station. And, the, and police are just being killed right and left as that goes on. So that it's reminds- very much an American Ultra thing, by the way. Oh, it is? Yeah. yeah right. Well, because it's the same thing is, you know, let's storm a heavily fortified, like an embassy or a police station. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But then he goes through that whole thing, that whole sequence. I mean, what I, I love in, in that – maybe maybe I'm thinking of, of an earlier part um, where he, he basically does the T-1000 morph, which every last person he touches, he puts on their uniform. And you don't even see that happen. And like, uh, you know, why are you here? Oh, no, it is the same thing. Uh, oh, Sergeant, are you okay? And the next time you see him, he's in the 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 the, uh, the fatigues. It's it's as if he's the T one thousand morphing into them. That's unfortunately a, a nod to the game, Dingus. Oh, it which, is. Uh, yeah. So in the games, there are a lot of times where uh, if you put on another character's uniform, uh, they won't recognize you, or you're allowed to move around in a different area that otherwise you're not allowed to go into. Uh, so that's one of the few things I think they did. Uh, specifically to reference the game. Uh, I liked it it as as this idea of morphing. And that's how I read it, especially after looking at the the way I I sort of saw that Matrix thing, the Terminator thing, the Terminator 2 thing. Right, right. Um, Yeah, and and he does it... There's a point later... Oh, yeah, the fireman to come into the skyscraper at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, So, but otherwise, by the way, so I, I... I, you know, I don't care one way or the other if they reference the video game, but there's not much you can do because in the video game, he's just a bald dude with a suit and a red right. tie and a barcode on the back of his head. Uh, yeah. What are you going to do with that? I mean, and I kind of yeah, like that's better in a way because then you can embellish it. Yeah, I mean, the video game is just a sort of a tabula rasa. Just, hey, do whatever kind of movie yeah. you want, but just make sure the lead character is, is a shaved head and a red tie. Uh, right. I can uh, never – I don't understand the – I don't understand the justification of having a group of assassins that have an obvious barcode in the back of their head. Why does nobody do that? It only works in a video game. Well, you have to have it a disguise weird. on, too. You know, you can put a hat over that thing or whatever. Uh, I kept waiting for some reveal where 
Like Zachary Quinto is going to shave the back of his head. We were going to see yeah. a barcode. Uh, yeah, me too. Or, or how about a wig? Do you guys not have right, a wig? right, right? Exactly. Uh, like, pull off a wig. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, were you guys then? I presume you were you were caught unawares by the little twist. So here's another thing: American oh. Ultra, early on. Uh, and I think if you read anything about American Ultra, which I didn't, by the way, I had no idea what kind of movie it was going to be. I just knew it was something with Jesse Eisenberg that Max Landis wrote. Um, it, American Ultra, the, the twist, quote unquote, is that the stoner is actually a CIA agent. Once that is revealed, nothing new happens. Everything plays out exactly like you expect. Um, so in this, I was really pleasantly surprised by the little twist where Zachary Quinto is the bad guy. Agent 47 is the good guy, and I did not see that coming. Totally caught oh. me unawares. Wait, really? Yeah. Did you guys know that that was coming? Like, that was – am I just being, once again – Just from the billing, that was my tip-off. And also, he was um, – the way Quinto was doing his lines and his eyes, and like, there's something not quite right about him. And also, when he was well, going, look at him. He's got weird eyes. He's got a trench coat. Like, if he it's was not that. Hero, it's the way he was be. pumping her for information in the hotel room. I mean, that's – Right, that's right, right. He's just like – And he makes a face when she's like, no. Tell me where your father is. Tell me where your yeah. father is. What is this gigantic map that you're going to be able to fold up into your backpack later on? See, I totally thought that that was just like exposition. Um, no. It totally tricked did, me. Did you see the brother thing coming? Yeah. About them being brother and sister? Yeah. No, no. I'm I'm dumb. I kinda, I, the movie I, totally. Yeah, it was yeah. playing me like a fiddle. There was no. It was no. It was no surprise to me because of the whole Hannah side of the road thing. Well, no. I yeah. mean, once once you realize that she's a super spy, yeah. I mean, once once she starts doing her super spy stuff and you know she's from the same program, I kind of was like. I mean, when it happened, it's like, oh I yeah, think, okay, that makes sense. Like, I wasn't really trying to think about it, but uh, did you I like think American that? Ultra numbed your synopsis though too? It certainly made me oh. dumber. Yes, uh, and yes, right. yes, I liked that because I, I liked um, as far as the movie being, uh, and I guess this is ultimately what I liked about that twist that it was about her, like her character Katya, uh, and it was about her triangulating. You know, where do I stand with these two organizations, with these two men? Um, so, so, yeah, I did like it. You know, mm. one of them's her brother, one of them is a villain. Uh, and you mentioned that hotel room scene. Uh, I had in my notes. So she gets a hotel room scene with Zachary Quinto, and then later on she gets one with uh, with Rupert Friend where, where, you know, she says that thing about uh, sometimes I, I can't sleep and I just take stuff apart uh, right before they get attacked. Like, I, I loved that. That was cute. But they both, ha- they both have a hotel room scene, and the one with Zachary Quinto was just, like, so weird and awkward and yeah. I was even thinking, uh, and I, I'm a little ashamed to admit this, but I was thinking because Zachary Quinto, as, a, as an actor, as a celebrity, is he, he's very out, and like he's a very vocal proponent of, of, of gay issues, um, and I respect that a lot about him. But it also means sometimes when I'm watching him in a scene, I, I sort of realize he's probably not that endure. He's just acting like he's endure. So whatever chemistry was going on in that hotel room scene with him and her, just felt a little weird for me. Uh, and maybe this was because they're letting you sort of know, hey, he's maybe not the trustworthy good guy that you expect he should be. Um, but then but later... He's also an American Horror Story as the... Well, I actually uh, know him from uh, most recently from this really weird soap opera-y TV series called The Slap, uh, which is a remake of an Australian series, and he's amazing in that. Um sure. I mean, the, the I don't think he's bad in this. He's not what? I don't think he's bad in Hitman. No, no, I don't either. I think he's fine with yeah. what he's doing. Again, I enjoyed him being a villain. Yeah. Um, I think that lack of chemistry, though, is more uh, – and 
an idea carried over about the the whole agent and syndicate program, because there's this right. moment where uh, Olga Karolenko in the first in the first Hitman, um, she's she's clearly coming on to uh, you know the previous agent forty seven Timothy yeah. Oliphant, but he's just not giving anything back, uh, and on purpose. I mean, Tim- Timothy Oliphant's a sexy dude. I mean, I'm not afraid to say that. Uh, even though he looks weird as a bald dude, but he's just not giving anything back. And she's climbing on top of him. She's taking off her top. She's unbuttoning his pants. And he, he just doesn't have that as part of his makeup and he's not going to allow it. He just keeps saying, this is a bad idea until he finally puts her out. He just, he finally just drugs her out. He's just like, okay, we're done. And he like, like shoots her with like some sort of a, a syringe or something to make her go to sleep because he just doesn't have that, that in him. Her. And and I think that that's par- partly what Zachary Kinto is trying to do because I think he's the failed version or the the uh, the, the flawed version uh, that the syndicate is trying to do of the agent program. So right. I think that's kind of on purpose. And they they do some cool stuff I think as far as like a movie of this caliber, uh, as far as the relationship between Zachary Quinto and and uh, Rupert Friend's character as yeah, super right. agents and this yeah. idea that he's insecure and he wants to make sure he's the better one. Um, uh, you know, I, I liked the way that they played with that stuff. Uh, how do you guys feel about having an action sequence with a big old huge jet engine for no good reason? <laughs> I liked it. I loved that. It's I mean, so, it was just so audacious. It's so silly, but it's part yeah. of him training, him helping, him being a mentor to his sister, basically. He's he's helping her come along. He's chosen this location for a specific reason, and uh, it does feel to me that whole sequence and I haven't played enough of these games to know, but it does feel to me like, all right, now you have to do this part of the tutorial, and you have to do this, and you have to get to this level, you have to do this, and we're going to replay it until you do it. But she only has one time to do it. So that whole jet engine thing, and and, and you missed, and no, she didn't. It was, <laughs> right. silly. It was very silly, but it was okay with me. Well, the game is very much arguing is about setting up these elaborate, overcomplicated kills, like these assassinations, and you have to do step A, then B, then C, then D, and then you get rewarded with some really gratuitous kill of some sort. Um, well, I, I, I love that about you know you, you talked about no, go ahead, Tom. Well, and I love too just how R-rated all this stuff was. Uh, I you know I'm always mm. happy to see gratuitous headshots and people sucked into jet plane engines and whatever industrial machinery just splattering some of those dudes. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm happy to have that. If you're going to have an R rating, go ahead and use it. I thought it could have been more R. I thought that whole yeah, helicopter flying was... into the building, you, you could see guys sliced apart. Well, it wasn't a splatter movie. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. It definitely could it have been, been more R. But, like, for instance, American Ultra, also R rated, but because Jesse Eisenberg is getting stoned. He's smoking pot. That's the, the main reason that's R rated. Oh, right. The action in that could have been PG-13. Really? Yeah, absolutely. You can't have like drug use like that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Really? No, I disagree totally. <laughs> what smoking pot in that kind of a movie in a wacky? Oh, he's smoking pot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you're gonna have a like movie that that's really it. cavalier about drug use, it should definitely get an R. I totally agree with. Come that. on, weed's different. Mm, no, weed or alcohol. I would, I would say, like if if you're gonna and uh and and again, an R rating doesn't mean that kids can't go see it. It just means, hey, parents, you should know there's something here that's of concern. Uh, and I'm fine it's with not. with uh, with casual drug use being portrayed in a positive light, which it is in in American Ultra. I'm fine with giving that an R. Uh, Carrie, one, you just want to corrupt the youth of America. 
I do. I think ratings are dumb, and I think that's silly. Like, I can't follow the logic of it, first. <laughs> I think, you know, and especially we, I mean, kids should see that kind of thing. Kids should kids see like, that kind of thing? Yeah, and then evaluate if it's well, dumb. Well, don't you think like, parents wait, should so decide you... instead of you whether or not kids should see that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, no, I don't. All right. <laughs> Kelly Wan, we're pretty near in charge of what kids can see. I mean, let's look, Kelly Wan, to your point. Let's though, just try it my way. To your point uh, where it bothers me is when a movie is PG-13 be- because it wants to make more money, and it therefore waters down what it can do in order to right. get a PG-13. Like, okay. I really do think, by the way, um, American Ultra, and I have no idea where it got this idea, but I think it was soft-pedaling a fair amount of its content, hoping at some point it was going to get a PG-13. Uh, which there's no way it's going to happen if he's going to be a stoner. Uh, and I think we do if see... If they rate that R, though... Pardon? I said if they rate that R, that's not... It's not. I'm not taking the decision away from the parents. It's just a... It's just, it's a matter of... Um, it's like I'm moving the goal line. Like, that's a PG-13. Well, all it's saying is that if you are a parent and we've rated this movie PG-13 and your kid is 14 years old, we think it's totally cool and there's no issue with you just letting the kid go see it. Right, but the we is the one. The opinion of the we is the one I'm contesting. Like, not whether parents should get to decide it, but like that that's an R-rated premise is dumb to me. Like, I disagree with you on that. Right. Well, fortunately, Kelly Wand, America agrees with me. I know, and they're it's they're the worst for it. Well, that's why we don't. That's why I've moved, and you have to live in Europe. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Where it's rated G, by the way. Uh, had you guys, so Kelly Wan, you called out the uh, what I like to call the "it's raining men" scene, uh, where they shoot the car with the uh, the zip line, which seems like the most <laughs> yeah. ridiculous way to zip line down into the street. I know. Why not anchor the zip line to something a little more reliable, or just start out at street level? Uh, and, but and I like that was like a jet engine, just something just so silly right. that I was like, okay, this is, I'm going. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, what you just said. It's like there's no setup or explanation for right. like, look, they're coming down on like right. just like it's like the jet engine, like unto yourself, BRB. Right. Like, I, I don't wait, think what? It, but I think what I love about that sequence is that I think that Alexander Bach is is making it clear that um yeah, I'm doing this on purpose. It's silly, but I'm doing this on purpose because of the colors of the cars that are on the street. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're they're bright really blue and yellow cars, and it's it's yeah. it's ridiculous. It it looks like duplicated cars over and over again, like you would see in a video game. And I think he's yeah. I think he's doing all of that on purpose. And I really liked it. And I like that whole gunkata thing that he that that um, forty seven does when he gets out of the car. I mean, I really liked that whole sequence. Even though at first I was like, "What is going on here?" Um, Even the gunkata Gunkata, Kaliwan, from Equilibrium oh, with Christian Bale, where that's an actual thing, Gunkata. Right. Um, uh, and because I really liked, uh, and I'm sure you keyed in on this as well, like the Gunkata stuff when he's fighting Zachary Quinto, like trying to get the bullets to go through his armor. Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, punching yeah, yeah. him yeah. while shooting him, and that, that's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, right. but it looked cool, and it, got, it made the point. Yeah, Yeah, but he could have shot him in the eye. That part was kind of bugging. No, I'm sure he had that, that protective armor inside of his eyeball too, Kaliwan. Yeah, Come like on. Man of Steel. Mm, I still want to try it. For a variety of reasons. And the ear, the ear canal. No uh, you guys think about Anna Ware? I, I, well, I, uh, she's gorgeous. She was fine, yeah. like, to play. Like, it's kind of, like, she can't be, like, the super sexy, sultry. So, like, she's, she's no got Ferguson. to be kind of cagey and impassive. Right, right. Like, she's, because she's an agent, too. Um, yeah, and I didn't know her from anything else. But uh, I, I really liked her. I was very pleasantly uh, yeah. surprised by, you know, this could have been a, 
a ditzy model like Olga Kirilenko. But but no, she seemed to have some weight to her. Uh, I was very pleased with her. Thing is, were you? She wasn't phoning it in. She seemed really yeah. invested in her role. I thought. I, I liked her a lot. I was just a little bit. Um, I think I've been a little bit spoiled by Rebecca Ferguson. I'm afraid. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, um, thanks. Yeah. Uh, be sure to see Kristen Stewart in American Ultra first, and then you'll really appreciate Hannah Ware. <laughs> but I like I like the way Hannah Ware uh, plays the character, and uh, kind of what I'm thinking about when asking you guys is, does it bother you that she just becomes like a punch em up at the end? What do you mean she just becomes a what? Like she like uh, she's got all these 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 abilities that that she's been heightened to be able to do to survive. Right. But in the end, she just becomes a shooter and puncher. Here's where it bothered me, and I thought, you know, you guys have a cool concept. Uh, I wish you were more careful with appreciating it and playing with it. Um, during the car chase in the the uh, parking garage, uh, she at one point tells him, "Just keep going straight." You yes. know, she has this yes. cool sort of like she's just puzzling out these situations, like like a like a Sherlock Holmes and that guy Richie movie or something. Um, or, by the way, Joseph Gordon-Levitt can do this in Premium Rush, is he can see ahead of him like all the possibilities and know which way he should go on his bicycle. Uh, so she can do that. So she says to him in that, that parking garage chase scene, just trust me, just go straight. Um, then later in that scene, she's the one who says, as the pylons are rising, we're not going to make it. And yeah. he says, trust me, no, he should be listening to her at that point. Yeah. Like the she's movie a, is set up. Yeah, exactly. The movie is set up that she's basically twice as good as him. And he just and it just has this sloppy, uh, you know, she says, we're not going to make it. And he's like, trust yeah. me, it should be the other way around. Um, right. That was, yeah, she, yeah. Should be taking the, movie, she should be taking the helm by then. Yeah, or at least yeah. it should definitely he should be sort of uh, submitting. Like when she says we're not going to make it. She knows. Like, she's established that she knows whether or not right. they're going to make stuff. So why does the movie have them make that anyway? That that just – and there were a couple things like – Where I was like, no, she's supposed to be – you know, she's supposed to see ahead, you know, three moves ahead of everything. Um, so when she says something, listen to her. Uh, quit, like, protecting her and making her like a damsel in a few of the scenes. Uh, well, and I thought when, she, when that happened and she goes, we're not going to make it, I go, okay, so she – they're obviously not going to make it because we just said that up five seconds ago. Yeah. That she's the one who knows stuff. So I go, oh, there's something else is going to happen to get them out of it. Like, we're not going to make it, and then she's going to come up with an alternate plan yeah. or something. But instead, she's just wrong. But thing is, you talked about it being a punch em up at the end. I mean, they did a great job of, like, showing not quite Mission Impossible Rogue Nation level, but they did a great job of showing them in tune with each other and working yeah. at that final shootout on the roof and – like they, you know, they they gave her her due. I thought for the most part. Well, I love the choreography in that whole that sequence, that whole roof sequence. Whereas they get to the roof, mm-hmm. there's this weird thing that happens with the music where it almost becomes like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, that sort of like a like a, a western kind of a trilling guitar kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, and when they slide across the floor together and shoot up the stairs, and they come up the elevator and they shoot, and their their arms cross and they shoot again. And there's this other moment where he slides behind the pillar and she's next to him down on her knees sliding. I mean, yep. that yep. all that stuff is beautifully done, and it does have that sort of weird twangy, westerny Quentin Tarantino-y thing that's going on that I really really appreciated. Um, and I I think that her coming into her own as far as becoming like becoming a fighter, but also be having this weird precog thing that she has. Is and that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, Dingus, yeah. 
so by the way, I see Marco Beltrami's name on a lot of uh, yeah. like movies where he does the music for. And for the life of me, I couldn't tell you one of them. I don't remember any of the music. Uh, I really liked some of his music in this. That little Western uh, bit that you're talking about, Dengus, um, the sort of the industrial kind of action bits. Um, I really liked his music in this. Yeah, me too. Kelly Wand, why didn't this movie have more Angela Baby? Which one was that? Uh, I was hoping to hear more from her in uh, the synopsis. For whatever reason, and actually this is another uh, nod to the I game. I was kind of hoping for that, too. It was such a weird thing to see in the opening credits and at the top of the closing credits. Well, what it is, too, I think this is another thing, is in the game, he's got this woman who is his handler who talks to him. But in the movie, it's so out of place. Like, why is he fielding phone calls from this Asian woman who's telling him what to do? What is what is this? And is it uh, Diana uh, in the game? Too. I mean, because they yeah, say it like yeah. Diana is a, is a yep. thing. Yep, that's the character in the game. Uh, and Kelly Wan, the actress's is name, she's some Hong Kong model slash actress who goes by, it's not a real name, but her, her stage name, her movie name is Angela Baby. Right. She, right. she had this, she's, she named herself after basically the nickname that her family called, her family called her Baby, so she just called herself Angela Baby. It's easily to do that. Well, I think you did some research into this. A little bit. Yeah. Um, can I just say what She's my over would be? Because I've already said my under would be the original Hitman, which I liked seeing it again far more than I remember liking it. Because Timothy Oliphant really deserves a lot of credit, especially the way he's sort of dragging Olga Kirilenko around. And she's she's better than I remember. And as strange as it, as it is to see... Um, uh, I think it's Thomas Kretschmann who's in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Thomas Ulrich is in the other. There's, there's like a lot of weird throwaway... like. B movie European actors that I really like in both movies, um, uh, but I I really liked Hitman a lot more than I thought I did previously. Basically because I think uh, I was expecting to see the the that that so so like hard dude from the video game cover, and Timothy Oliphant doesn't look like that, but he works just fine. Um, so so Hitman would be my under, mm-hmm. my over would have to be John Wick. A lot of the fight choreography would like uh, be a John Wick. Yeah, yeah and, and that's why, because that's that, mainly because of that scene in the club, uh, and there's a really pretty cool scene in the club in the original Hitman, but the scene in, in the club where John Wick is just mowing through dudes, right. I really love the way that is, is choreographed and, and the music for it, like, and, and, and I use choreography in this sense, not just as fight, but as dance, because uh, I really like the way that John Wick works in that sense. But it's not much above. I mean, I really liked Hitman 47. Yeah. So my over-under, I, I picked movies that were, you know, mundane lives, discovering that, you know, you're, hey, you're actually a super spy. So that was my motif for the over-under. Um, and, and movies like True Lies, Hannah, Lucy, Born Identity, American Ultra. Um, there's this thing with Ashton Kutcher and Catherine Hagel called uh, The Killers. Kelly, one, have you seen that? <laughs> I started it. It's one with uh, Tom Selleck as the Russian pervert. Yeah, exactly right. It seems like the kind wow, of wow, you guys. I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, but my my under <laughs> for uh, and and both, since I really liked uh, Hitman Agent Forty Seven, my under and over I both liked. Uh, I'm doing some. I'm trying to do some close bracketing here. Serious bracket. My under is Kick Ass. Um, Ooh, wow. Where the, the main yeah. character discovers he's a superhero. I don't care so much about that, but Kick-Ass has some really good stuff with Hit Girl, uh, played by Chloe Moritz Grace, Grace Moritz, whatever her name is. Um, so Kick-Ass, I really liked half of it. Uh, 
But he I like discover this... though, doesn't he just Pardon? arbitrarily decide he's a superhero? Right, but it's this idea like it's this kind of like normal power dude. fantasy of what if I'm a normal right. dude and I become a super agent kind of. Thing. Yeah, it's about yeah. becoming. Yeah. Uh, but my over, which I like better than Hitman, mainly because of the relationship, because the sense of humor in this movie. Um, and it's not so much where somebody becomes a super agent. There's some of that, but where a super agent comes into her life and, and enlivens it. Uh, my over is night and day. Ooh. Oh, that's a great pick. So I kind of put that in the same thing as, hey, what if some super agent comes in your life and transforms it, uh, makes it more exciting? Oh, man, I have such warm feelings for that movie. Tom, thank you. All right, so Kelly, what have you done with your over-under? You don't believe in bracketing. You're just going to randomly pick one that's better, one that's worse. What have you got for us with your over-under? Wait, right before I do them, I just want to ask you one quick question. Sure. uh... Did, how come they would have left him his inhaler if they were torturing him? Like, it's just right, in his pocket. Gonna... They didn't charge him. They didn't, uh, yeah. It was on the tray. <laughs> grabbed it as he went. Oh, you're right. They do have that long. And, and I noticed oh, about right, that long right. shot dingus. I was like, that's the take you're using. Like, it, it didn't seem like he was surreptitiously plucking it off the tray. It was a sense of, like, fumbling around and trying yeah, to grab right. it. And I think, come on. Okay. Come on, Karen. Can't you like grab it a little more deftly? Uh, but but you did like the the switch with the little kid in the elevator, right? Switch with the kid in the elevator. Yeah, with the knife. Yeah, where he gives the, knife the kid the inhaler. That somehow the kid no one else notices. Right. Swipes his he swipes the kid's inhaler. I mean, that was kind I of think and then he uses that right. as a moment to look back at the at the camera. You know what I love? My dad's gonna be. Speaking of elevator scenes, letting us see her put her hair in a ponytail and then him handing her a gun. Like, just how long they took with that scene. I love that. It was just so well composed. And they're just sitting there. like, And she, she, you know, puts her hair back in a ponytail and he's super bald. And I love that scene. It took a long time for her to put her hair up. Yeah. It was really cool. I love that. Thank you, Alexander Bach, for letting a movie breathe a a little bit. Yeah, I see that. I like that. All right, Kelly Wand, you're over and under R. What do you got for us? And then I have another question after. Sure. Yeah, we can field questions, definitely. Okay, my over is Real Men with John Ritter and Jamie (laughs) Belushi, Mm. which didn't hold up, but I still liked it more. Mm -hmm. And then my under is the Taylor Lautner one. I forget the name of it. Not the one where he's a bike messenger. Taylor Lautner? Yeah. He's a bike messenger, and he runs into... Oh, what is that actress's name? It's set in New York. It's terrible. And he Wait, runs into a pack brush. of other bike messenger... Wait, Kelly doesn't get to pick a movie that he calls the Taylor Lautner one. Yeah, we need a title. It's like hard... <laughs> What's it called? Hard what? It's called, it's called Premium Target. Mm, I, just I don't looked. think there's any such... A, Wait, seriously? There's a Taylor Lautner movie called Premium Target. Yeah. And he has so you just came up with your over right now, and you called it the Taylor Lautner one? Kelly? Gosh darn it. Dingus, do you believe him? There's a movie called Premium Target. I'm not sure I believe I couldn't that. care less at this point. He didn't He didn't do it until now, and then he had the temerity to say the Taylor Lautner one, and he was going to put it on us to come up with a Taylor Lautner movie. But Dingus, at least he put a lot of thought into this week's 3x3, three three, which we're That's about to good, get to. That's a very good point. Hey, yeah. I have a question about the movie. Yes, um, Kelly Wand. So... So is Hannah Ware's UPC symbol down there? One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees, and I'm going. 
They do kind of seem like tramp stamps for men, don't they? <laughs> I'm thinking about getting one. Carry <laughs> one. I'd like to uh, price check those. Yes. What is this week's 3x3, Carry one? What do you got for us? Uh, this week's 3x3, three three, I actually think this was a good topic, but it's hard to define it. Um, but it's like three... Um, Three moments in movies where someone announces their name or they change, they get their name. Like they, um, yeah. Is that right? It's kind of, isn't it, Dick? It's kind of fun, like, to see what was the three by three last week and what is it going to be this week when we actually do it? Yeah, it is okay. kind of fun to see the transmogrification. Yeah, yeah. What did I say last week? I thought that's what I said. I thought I you gave said it an example. Your three favorite moments when a character like, announces their name has changed. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Or when a character adopts a new name, I think is how he said it, didn't he, Tom? There you go. That's character what I said. adopts Adopt a new, new name. name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I kind of didn't see. really do this topic. I kind of um, did, but I kind of didn't. So here's what I did. Uh, so I'm going to introduce you next week's three by three. So I get to start my number three pick for this particular. Uh, the Taylor Lautner one? Nope. Is that your number three? Nope. The Rupert Friend one. It's a movie called Agent, or I'm sorry, called Hitman Agent 47. Uh, and it's when Zachary Quinto says his name is Brian. I'm Brian. Because previously he was John <laughs> Smith. And we shockingly find out, nope, that's not his real name. His real name is Brian. I love But I love how movie. he says it. He goes, I'm Brian. Or it's Actually, that's not my real pick. My real pick is what they did with, uh, uh, when you find out that Katya's name is actually just a French word for the number ninety, because she's t- a little, she's almost twice as good as forty-seven. Right. Uh, that so that's your uh, number three, Katya. Katya yeah. van van Dies, I think, is what. Yeah. I like your Brian one more, almost. Well, you know what? Can I have two from one movie? Can I want, like, am I picking the sure. movie or the moment? No, I like I well, like the, num- the number ninety because I, that's what I went for for the the name guy because I was thinking I I like that. I, I well, like that's what it. I picked. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention the Brian one too. The Brian one isn't as good uh, as the the. But he says it thing. But what's cool about it, and it is kind of cool because whenever uh, either uh, I forget what Olga Karolinko's name is, or when Katya, whenever they ask these dudes, "What's your name?" they they're, they're sa- they say, "I don't have a name. I have a number," and that's a real specific thing. Right. And I I. I I was brought up in a place like, where I don't have a name. I have a number. And I think uh, in the first Hitman, she's like, well, that tells me a lot about you. Um, she's so, not an agent in the first Hitman, right? Like, that's not something that, that they already did in a Hitman movie, right? No, 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 no. She's okay. she's more of a MacGuffin than anything. Um, the bad guys are after her, I guess. Right. right. Yeah. So it's, I, I think it's a really important moment because uh, both Agent 47s that we know of or that I know of, they will never reveal their name because they don't have one. Right. And that he actually, that John Smith, which sounds like a number anyway, that he turns around and he says, it's Brian. Yeah, like, is he lying? Did he just tell himself that? Well, whatever it is, it's, uh, it, it's, it's another harbinger of the fact that he's, or harbinger might be the wrong word, uh, it's another... Uh, sh- sh- another way of showing that he's a little inferior. To the, to, the agent, to the agent program, because he he can't just say, 
I'm John Smith. That's who I am. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Dennis, what is your number three uh, instance of a character changing his or her name? All right. Uh, and I apologize because I've suddenly developed a case of the hiccups here. Um, oh, I thought so, it was a technical thing. No, that's me having the hiccups all of a sudden, and I keep trying to hold my breath, and it's not helping. <laughs> all right, so my uh, my third favorite uh, place where a character decides to adopt a new name uh, is when a character says, uh, characters ask his name, and he says, uh, it's Nugent, Ted Nugent. And so the character who adopts this particular name is a character named Erwin Fletcher, and it's from a movie called Fletch. And oh, right. the moment where Fletch decides to tell somebody that his name is actually Ted Nugent is when when the rich dude um, approaches him on the beach to say, I'm going to give you $1,000 if you, if you show up at my house, uh, and I'm going to do a business proposition for you. You'll have $1,000 either way. Just come and show up at my house. You'll get $1,000 either way because he thinks that Fletch, who's an investigative reporter down working at the beach to try to bust a, bust wide open this L.A. beach drug uh, ring thing that's going on. And so the first thing that Fletch does is say, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, my name's Ted Nugent. And uh, Tim, Matheson, Tim Matheson is the guy playing the rich guy. Um, and I think his name is Stanwick. I can't remember the first name of him. Although I did, right. I did get to watch Fletch again this week, which was awesome. Um, so Tim Matheson says, okay, Mr. Nugent, then just uh, show up at this address. And he never questions whether or not this is actually Ted Nugent, or he never even understands that Ted Nugent is somebody else's name. He just calls him Ted Nugent for the rest of the time that he knows him uh, until later on in the movie when the actual mystery is revealed. So it's that moment where Fletch says, I'm Nugent, Ted Nugent. Carrie Warren, what do you got for your number three? I got a laugh when I saw that movie in the theater when he goes Cujo, Dingus, by the way. When he goes in that dark house. Yep. Cujo? Yeah. That's um, one of two dog jokes in that movie. What's the other one? Benji? No, it's when the dog, when the dog, dog? jumps on his hood and he goes, look, defenseless babies. And the, the and the dog goes, what? Oh, yeah. Wait, that part's good. Yeah. Is that girl good? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Remember. Barbara Stanwyck is her name. I, I forget what the actress was, but, man, I had such a crush on her. Oh, yeah, I, like I loved too. her so much. That I was think t- I was 10 No, it's time. Gail Stanwyck. So Gail Stanwyck. Barbara Stanwyck is that actual actress um the the character's name is gail samwick i can't think of the actress's name anyway go ahead kelly think thing is that was during my rich girl phase i was really interested in rich debutante characters in movies yeah, so yeah that's when i liked hollow notes i don't know who he is my number three is uh okay i'll do a quote from it <clears throat> i'm iron man and the reason i like it it's from the motion picture, um, really, but um, I really like that because that was like I think the first superhero movie where it's just like secret identities are dumb, like just say it, or at least in his case it was. And so I thought that was kind of like a cool uh, fuck you to that convention, which I always thought was kind of stupid. Um, I actually like that a lot because I I consider that too uh, because I'm with you at a press conference. 
I, a, yeah, at the press conference, because I had asked my dad when I was a kid, why do they have to be anonymous? And and my dad's yeah. like, you know, to protect their family. And so right. I agree with you. I think that's a cool moment. Didn't help Spider-Man. Yeah, it never protects their families, though. That's what I'm saying. And it seems very arbitrary, like the Fantastic Four don't give a shit about secret identities. Or the X-Men don't. Wait, Kelly Wan, you're Only saying... Hold on, I'm really... This is a shock to me. You're saying there's something arbitrary about comic book movies? <laughs> Jeez. Just that. Everything else makes sense to me. They're not video game movies, Tom. They're kind of just thrown together. You know, My second by the favorite way, instance the... of a character's name changing. Oh, yes, Kelly Wan, go ahead. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, uh, it's too it's too stupid. Continue. I'm sorry. Uh, is when we find out that in Escape from New York, that Brain's name is actually Harold Hellman. And Snake Plissken isn't going to call him Brain. He, he makes a big show of just calling him Harold, which Harry yeah, Barbosa not Harold. Right, right. She's like, that's your name? Yeah. Wait, I like it, that same scene where he goes, yeah, you, me, Dan, and what's the first Dan. name? Cisco Bob. Really, Kelly Wan, Dan? Are you thinking of yeah, Dan. Fresno Bob? Fresno Bob. Yeah. Was, Dan. Was, remember what they did with Fresno did Bob? Bob? Yes, remember yeah. what they did with Fresno Bob? Yeah, Dan. <laughs> Bob, Dan. Jesus, Kelly Wan. Dan. Uh, uh, what's your second favorite example of a character changing his or her name in a movie? All right. My second favorite moment is when um, in Fletch, um, Erwin and Fletcher adopts the name Dr. Rosenpenis. Because uh, uh, he's pretending to be a doctor in order to get the medical files for uh, Tim Matheson, and he's uh, he's already had the moment with M.M. Um, uh, Walsh uh, as as the doctor who uh, you know you got the whole fist up there, Doc, um, where they have the whole thing. I thought it was Libertini. Uh, no, Libertini is uh, his, his editor. Yeah, his boss right, okay, at sorry. the newspaper. So M.M. Walsh is the doctor that is also Tim Matheson's doctor because the whole scam is Tim Matheson has said, uh, I have bone cancer, so I want you to shoot me so that my family can get the insurance. And so um, Fletch goes to see his doctor to try to get to sneak in and find out his files and whatnot. And so this whole scene with M.M. Walsh where the fake name that Fletcher gives there is um, – Babar, uh, is that two B's? No, it's one B. Wait, B A B A R. That's two. What? But they're not right next to each other. I thought thought that's. What you meant. But but then he goes down to try to find the records room, and he looks at this placard on the wall that has all the names of all the doctors, and the gag is they're all named Rosen something or other. Doctor Rosen, Doctor Rosenstein, Doctor Rosenberg, Doctor. All of them are named that. And so when he's talking to the nurse, he's like, "I need to find the records room." And he's he's dressed up in surgical scrubs. The nurse is like, "What? What's your name?" Uh, it's Doctor Rosen. It's Doctor Rosen. Doctor Rosen Rosen. And then he finally settles on Doctor Rosen Penis. So when Fletch uh, calls himself Doctor Rosen Penis, is my second favorite. Kelly, what is your second favorite instance of someone changing his name in a movie or her name? Uh, in Army of Darkness, um, one of the the Evil Dead and uh, Smart is all wait, who are you or something? And he's all names Ash Houseflares, and I really like that moment because <laughs> even though it was like a reshot ending, <laughs> it's just like after three movies, they're finally on that speaking basis. Like, all right, dude, we've been fucking around like at the cabin for two movies. 
we fucked around a thousand years ago. Like, what's your deal? Like, you're the one from the sky. And then it's like, that's his name, like, after all that. Pretty like, sure that Housewares. was his name in the first movie. Yeah, but he didn't say Housewares. Like, I think that's, I think it's Retcon that he works at a fucking, like, Kmart kind of store. So he hasn't changed his name. He's just appended what department he works in. <laughs> He's changed his last name to Housewares. I see. And his first name to Ash. My first Shut favorite. The... Oh, sorry. Go you... ahead. I was going to say, like, I'm the cop on. You're always the cop of your own topic. Right. Yes. Very good. So you're not going to call. You're not so, going to call yourself in on that one. No, I'm not going to arrest myself. <laughs> All right. I'll let myself off with a warning. All right. Uh, my favorite example say? of a character. Oh, by the way, is the are the cops coming out to arrest Ingus for picking the same movie twice? No, I'm kind of a cop on the take who's kind of easy, and I know I, I play a little fast and loose by the rules, like Dennis Quaid in The Big Easy. So um, or, I got fast, or, and, or, fast or, and loose by the rules. <laughs> yeah. You're like Joe Don Baker in Fletch. I'm by the book, but um, like the book is just empty pages. Quite a book. All right, Kelly Wand. Uh, well, what do you think of this, then, 3 by 3 cop? My favorite example of someone changing his name, he's not even changing his name, it's when Cameron Bright says to his mom, played by Kara Seymour in the movie Birth, he says, I'm not your stupid son. <laughs> there you go. So my favorite instance of a character basically not explicitly changing his name, but he's, you know, sort it's of... changing his identity. Well, the joke's on you, because that's a good one, I think. That's it's right. tricky. It's a terrible one, but it is changing his identity what? anyway. That's not his changing his name. Dingus, the three by three cop. My name is the three by three cop. Dingus said it was a great one. All right, fair, fair enough. Because he had to right, dig, so dig, dig Kelly's a cop of the take. Is Dingus, tell us about another scene in Fletch. All right, so rules. my favorite moment of a name being changed in Fletch is when um, when Erwin Fletcher uh, is talking to Gail Stanwyck on the tennis court, um, and he's trying to you know figure out why. Um, Tim Matheson is flying back and forth to Utah. He's trying to figure out all these things, and he's telling her, you know, well, gosh, I haven't seen you since the wedding, and uh, she's a terrible tennis player, but he's at her club. He snuck in. She's like, I'm sorry. I I don't remember. I must have been pretty plowed because I don't remember being at your wedding. And and he's like, nope, no, I I was at your wedding. And she's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) I don't, nope, don't remember. Don't remember you at my wedding either. And and she asks what his name is, and he says his name is John Cocktoestone. And he's clearly just <laughs> yeah, picking up one. the name as he goes on. It's just, I'm John Cocktoestone. And she's like, that's a weird name. He goes, well, my parents were Scotch-Romanian. And he goes, that's an interesting combination. And he's like, yes, so were they. Uh, so it's John Cocktoestone. Um, and he ends up charging all of their room service bills to the Underhills. But it's him deciding that his name oh, is yeah. John, and he just makes it up as he's saying it. It's it's like watching an improv happen. John Cocktoestin. And man, I, I'm so happy that I watched Fletch again this week. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah, I remember liking how a lot of the people he tells his name to, they kind of play it straight, like that cowboy dude. I forget what he says. But the guy who says, yeah, we dropped a couple bombs on him. I forget what name. Is that the where he goes he's Vito Corleone? No, 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 no. There's there's a reason that he says he's Harry S. Truman. He tells the guy. Harry S. Truman, uh, right, right. Yeah, I'm Harry S. Truman. And he's like, oh, man, and yeah, we dropped a big one on them. Oh, we dropped two two on them. 
You're, you're named after Harris yeah. Truman? That's, that's, uh, Marvin, um, that's Marvin and Velma in Provo, Utah. Three names are like Marvin, Velma, and Provo. He also tells, yeah. he does tell somebody he's Don Corleone, and you're right. Even when he tells the guy in the, in the airplane hangar, when they're, they're, he's supposed to check the Setzer valve, that he's Gordon Liddy, the guy's like, all right, Gordo, come on over here and check this out for me. <laughs> Nobody ever, that's an eye. I mean, he, he calls himself Igor Stravinsky at one point. And, and one yeah. of the great gags in that movie is that nobody ever bats an eye at these, at, at these obvious names, Ted Nugent, Gordon Liddy. And I, I do love that. But I think, I think Fletch is utterly just a charming, charming movie. Uh, even though it has, it has some weird offensive, weird things. And I don't know that Chevy Chase is right for the role. I don't know the book that well. Uh, but I think he's. I read all the books after the movie and I liked them. Actually. All right, right good. I became a Fletch fanatic. What weird offensive but things in, are in Fletch? Well, I think that yeah, I don't know that whole that thing that I referenced, that Doctor Rosenpenis thing, that all doctors are named Rosen and they're all Jews, and there's this this thing where he goes into this um, this like benevolent. Uh, Order of the Elks, and there's this black guy who's doing the announcing, and Chevy Chase jumps on stage and goes, "Are you going to sing for us, Sammy?" And the guy just kind of smiles. There's a bunch of weird uh, stuff that doesn't quite work as far as where we are right now, but uh, but I still really I, I find the movie pretty charming. Uh, I, want Shedingus, I give that stuff a pass. Should Dingus see Silver what? Streak with the scene where Gene Wilder is black? Yeah. And rewatch Blazing Saddles. I think. Kelly Wan, what's you know the, how I feel about these of things. all movies, Kelly Wan, what's the best example where a character changes his or her name? Like the single best one that you can think of from all of movies. <clears throat> I have to be honest, this is one I only came up with. This is unusual for me because I'm usually very methodical about everything I do and think. Um, but in this case, this is one I only came up with a few minutes ago while one of you was droning on about something. I can't remember. I wasn't really listening. But it's actually maybe the best one of even all nine of these. And that's saying a lot. And that is uh, in Alien Cubed, where um, those pictures of the crew are spinning around in the background, and Sigourney Weaver's thing comes up, and it says... um, it says Ripley, and then after it says Ellen. And it's like the first time we find out that her first name's Ellen. Nope. It's in the director's, or not director's cut, but Cameron shot a scene where uh, Dwayne Hicks and Ellen Ripley exchanged first names. It wasn't in the theatrical release, though. It wasn't in the theatrical release? It was not, no. But regardless, well, I, that's not her adopting the name, is it? Right. So that's my number one. <laughs> okay, fantastic. So it's the best one, as I said. All right. Well, I'm sure we have a lot of listener submissions. We should probably get to them because this is going to take a while. A lot of fletch. Here we go. All right. So here we have Paul Weimer. Uh, he says, three best adoptions of a new name by a character. Number three, during the credits of young Sherlock Holmes, the defeated villain, Professor Raff, Anthony Higgins, travels across the countryside to a charming roadside inn. Upon arrival, he signs the guest book with a new name and identity. Moriarty. He then gives a knowing, intense look at the viewer. All right, we have a uh, footnote. Note, the hotel receptionist in this quasi-credit cookie is actually listed in the credits before we actually see her, so I consider this part of the movie. I don't know what that means. All right, Paul. Paul's number two 
in the two towers, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, thinking they are facing Saruman, are surprised to see their fallen friend Gandalf the Grey appear out of the white light, announcing that he is now Gandalf the White. How about that? I like Gandalf the, the White. That's wearing, a good one. How about that? Uh, and Paul's number one? one. At the press conference at the end of the movie, Tony Stark finally says the words and title drops oh, yeah. who and what he really is. I am Iron Man. I did a fist pump at the theater. Best regards, Paul. Nice. nice. Also about the Iron Man one, uh, mm-hmm. that chick he slept with at the beginning of the movies there, and she's a reporter, so he just kind of like bitched her out of the story and the headline because he just announced it, which I think she was... Wasn't she just trying to angle to, like, get that out of him, but, like, break the story? I don't remember. Okay, reader submissions. Here we go. All right, the second one is Arthur Giovanangeli. Uh, number three, her. Theodore's OS searches a list of names and finds one she likes. Samantha. Two, Guardians of the Galaxy. Peter Quill is constantly trying to rebrand himself as Star-Lord. <laughs> I love that one. But nobody seems yeah. particularly interested until the end of the movie. The confused look that the name generates from Jaiman Hansu in the opening scene is very amusing. Yeah, one of my favorite moments is when, when Peter Quill says, Finally! <laughs> and uh, Arthur's number one, Super. Libby dubs herself Bolty. Sidekick of the Crimson Bolt. Her renaming moment is complete with an ostentatious costume and poses that Frank feels are inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) I meant to say they all have to be superhero ones. (laughs) Uh, Dave Perkins, uh, Michelle and I are partial to the identity Dread Pirate Roberts, the identity that Wesley takes on in Princess Ride. Thank you. That's a good one. It's a really good one. Uh, and then finally, we have Chris Markinson. Hey, guys. Here are my three favorite moments when a character adopts a new name. I'm probably skirting the rules a little, because in two of my picks, the characters only adopt the new names for a few seconds, but I'm hoping they'll pass muster. Number three, Henry Swanson's my name, and excitement's my game. In Big Trouble in Little China, Jack Burton goes undercover in a brothel to try and find his friend's fiance. How can you not love Kurt Russell in a terrible suit with big glasses acting like an out-of-town convention goer? Oh my god, I vaguely remember that. Kerry Wan, does that ring any bells yeah. for you? That's an obscure uh, pull, yeah, Chris Markinson. Good one. Yeah. Because uh, I was even trying to think of him saying Jack Burton. Like, you never, I was thinking, oh, he never changes his name. But yeah, Chris found one out. Henry Swanson. Yeah. Good one. Um, Chris, Chris is number two, Rudy O'Brien, Rudy Garcia, and Rudy Washington Carver. In less than 30 seconds, Kurt Russell adopts three different last names and three different accents when he meets an Irish couple, Latino couple, and an African-American couple in the movie Used Cars. <laughs> this scene always puts a smile on my face. A little early as a there. Yeah. Uh, is that yeah. the one... Is that the one that you picked where the woman gets her... Oh, yeah. Okay. She, uh, yeah, they're shooting a commercial, and she gets her dress caught in the hood of the car. And uh, Kurt Russell's like, let's look let's look under the hood. Let's look at the engine. Because he knows that as soon as he lifts up the hood, it's going to rip her dress off. And I'm pretty sure it does. Uh, and Chris... That's too um, fucking high. The next one for Chris Markinson is... Uh, oh, wow. Uh, number one, I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. 
In Die Hard, when Hans Gruber asks him who he is, John McClane mentions Roy Rogers and then later tells Sergeant Powell to call him Roy. I really like the conversation with Hans because it ends with the yippee ki line. Thanks, guys. Chris. So they really are- had to push to get yippee ki in all the movies. Right? Like, it just seems like, why is that? Like, like he's, he's, he's riffing on the, his fake name. And I don't think he ever does the right. fake name. I'm Roy Rogers later. He just like, says yippee ki like, Right. For no reason. Yeah, it's weird that he would keep saying it to different criminals who wouldn't have heard him say it. Right, exactly. You don't have the groundwork like, laid for them. They're right. just like, why is this guy right. saying yippee ki motherfucker? Because yeah. he's just protecting his family well, in the, the first movie. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, in the PG-13 right. ones... In the PG-13 ones, they have to, like, cut around him saying motherfucker, so there's, like, a gunshot or something, so they fuck up his the most his most iconic signature sound line. line. Right, right. Well, Kelly Wan, as yeah. you know, I totally can't have the F word in PG-13 movies. I support that. I know, because parents should decide that. Exactly, Kelly Wan. Kids shouldn't see Die Hard. They would hate it. <laughs> I know I did. Uh, runners up, what do you guys got for characters changing the name? I almost picked uh, his name is Robert Paulson Ooh. from Fight Club. I like that. But I had to get in my choice, my number one choice, birth. You know, I couldn't leave that behind. So that didn't make the cut. Uh, I really liked um, the moment in the first Spider-Man when he tries to adopt the name for himself, the human spider. And Bruce Campbell just shrugs it off as the announcer of the the wrestling thing. And he goes, yeah, what? And calls him Spider-Man. So I like that it's a failed adopting of a new name. The Human Spider. Yeah, that's, what's wrong with you, kid? I love that kind of that interplay where he gets. Is that is that true, a true story? Like, is that how it really happened, Kelly Wan, in the source material? Uh, Bruce Campbell wasn't in the comic book. I feel like you would know that, like how Spider-Man actually got his name. Um, Sounds like you don't. That thing happened in the wrestling thing, but I don't remember if he had a different name or not. All right. But the guys. The guy who ran away, that that character's name in the comics, is The Burglar. <laughs> that's not a name. That's just his occupation. It's like Ash Hardware. I also like, and I tried to stretch this, because uh, I'm not a big fan of Huntsucker Proxy, but I watched a bunch of it this week, because um, I really have this wonderful, I love this scene where they're trying to name the thing, which they ning- initially call the dingus. Um this hula hoop and at one point there are these dudes that are silhouetted behind in this office and one of them goes the daddy-o but this is not a character adopting a name for themselves they're trying to come up with a product name so you probably could have gotten away with that the cops are just so just out to lunch these days you totally could have gotten away with that there's there's even a great screenshot of of plans that they're drawing up to make the hula hoop and it shows in like this engineering handwriting the extruded pla- plastic dingus which made me very happy but no, the, remember the, when the he swung it upside oh, down I think Hudsucker Proxy if I get to see it again in its entirety I think it's going to hold up a little better than when Dude, I, I love that movie I, think I did not like underrated. it when I first saw it but I think I'm going to like it more when I see it again well we it's can all agree it's no, it is no intolerable cruelty uh, I've never seen there. I've never seen Spartacus, but isn't there a scene where everybody stands up and says his name is Spartacus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're thinking of 300. Nope, I know better than that. I have seen 300, and nobody ever stands up and says I'm Spartacus. 
No, they say, I'm 47. Place. I'm 48. I'm 49. I'm 50. Oh, like 300, yeah. But you're right, Tom. They do have a whole scene because all the all the uh, slaves are are protecting him. Oh, somebody comes up what? and says, "Which one of you is Spartacus?" Like that's the context for that. Well, it's basically like all of us is this person who is this thing. But right, yeah. but, but they're doing that at this particular moment because someone is like, "Okay, we're looking for Spartacus. He's in trouble," and everybody's like, "It's me. It's me. It's me." I believe okay. that is the case because he's hiding among the slaves. Oh. I think Tom's thinking of the TV series Spartacus. It's a thing, but I've never seen it. Yeah. Don't either. Uh, other runners it. up, or are you guys ready for next week's 2 by 3 I have one runner up. Yes, Kelly Wand. In Spider-Man 2, um, when Aunt May um, shoots Dark Ock, and then he's all who are you, and she's all, the name's May, Aunt May. I thought nope, that, that was, was her really name cool. previously, so that, that one, I'm, where's the 3 by 3 cop when you need him? Yeah, seriously. What? Okay, what's the topic <laughs> for next week? <laughs> Uh, I recently watched a uh, a pretty horrible movie, like so many f- of this era, uh, called Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. Oh, yeah. Where Peter George Fonda. Siegel? No, Peter please. Fonda. It's Peter Fonda, um, Susan George. Shoot. Oh, Susan George, with... wow. And she's terrible in it, by the way. Who's the guy with Peter Fonda? She's dirty because she likes sex. She what? That's why she's dirty, because she's into sex, and he's crazy, because he's thing is, he's not that crazy, and she's not that dirty, and they have a third That's member of their gang who I can't remember who it is. Um, and I can't even remember who the guy That's is that. chasing them. Is it Warren Oates? I think Warren Oates yeah. is the, the main guy. But uh, at the end of Dirty – and I don't understand the appeal of this. I know that like you know Quentin Tarantino hails it as some seminal chase movie or I, whatever. It's, <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Um I think so, yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of people who have fondness for, like, sort of grindhouse movies of that era. Um, what do I need yeah, to name Warren Oates? Is he the Are, Tulane Blacktop guy? He's definitely, he's awesome in Tulane Blacktop. He's also in a movie I recently watched called Devil's Reign, where he and Peter Fonda get in an RV and go on vacation and bump into a bunch of Satanists. Um, Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. You know, I've never seen that. That's Warren Oates, though, isn't it? I should see that. Yeah. Why am I watching these crappy things? see that. But at the end of Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, yeah. um, there's a scene where a helicopter, uh, where Warren Oates is in a helicopter, and he's like, we got to catch Crazy Larry. We're going to catch him, whatever. Uh, and he's telling the pilot of the helicopter, you don't go back for fuel. We're staying out here till we catch Crazy Larry. Um, and they're chasing him in this uh, – it's like an orchid area uh, with trees all around. There's a long road down the middle of it. But the helicopter stuff in this is insane. Um, and it's not faked, of course, because this is 1972 or whatever. Uh, but, the, you know, they have this helicopter down low by this car uh, amongst all these trees and these power lines. Uh, and I'm watching it thinking, this is crazy. You know, this is you know, this should earn the title. Um, but it, it's, it's amazing to watch. And then they don't really do anything with it. It's just like a cool stunt. And the movie has to end because it's run its course. Um, but I was just really taken by, you know, seeing that kind of stunt work in a movie. And these days, all that would be CG'd. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen the trailers because I'm not that keen to see it. I've watched the trailers for a movie called The Walk with Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing the Frenchman who walked the tightrope between the two twin towers. Uh, and, there, you know, it's all going to be 
CG stuff that tries to represent heights. And yeah, that can look cool, but there's not going to be any sense of peril or stunt work. You know, just Gordon Levitt isn't going to have to do any sort of dangerous tightrope walk. It's all just going to be CG. Um, so, and I'm surprised we've never done this, but we haven't. What I want from you guys, your favorite stunts. Um, and if you want to... And they have to be... You know, if you want to pick stuff that is CG enhanced or from the CG era, you can. But I'm mainly thinking of stuff like me watching this terrible Dirty Harry, Dirty Larry, Crazy Mary, or Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry movie, uh, and just really sitting up and paying attention when this helicopter stuff happened. It didn't really have any good context in the movie, um, but it was just really arresting seeing the helicopter doing that and thinking, man, that's insane that they did that. Um so I just want your favorite stunts, whether or not it's because they fit great in the movie, um, but mainly just because, you know, the nature of a stunt, a stunt that makes you just sit up and pay attention. Um, Do publicity stunts count? Nope. I think most folks know what I mean when I say stunts. Uh, talking about stunts. Yeah, but I'm not most folks. You know this. Pardon? Walk on beat. Do you think publicity stunts count, Kelly Wan? Like, do they make you sit no, up? No, that's a stupid question. <laughs> so, no. no, no it's publicity. idiotic. I want actual yeah, no, I'm wasting your time. I'm just saying I'm not most folks. So. Well, are you just uh, going off of our talk from Mission Impossible Rogue Nation? Oh, right. That's another one. Is that, that stunt, like, didn't do much for me, and I don't know. Well, that's a grafting of the two ideas of the stunt and the publicity stunt. Uh, I can't imagine that being someone's favorite stunt, but if that's your favorite stunt, you know, I'm not taking anything off the table. Um, no, but that, to me, that was another example of a stunt that I was just like, whatever, they, they strapped Tom Cruise to the side of an airplane, and they took it off a couple of times, and they filmed it. Um, like, I, to me, that just doesn't, that doesn't have that, holy cats, look at what they're doing with this helicopter element that was in No, I, I actually love this, because it's, yeah, this is a, this is a pretty good, I can't believe we've not done this, this is great. Actually, what I read is in Mission Impossible, when they shot that scene, the hardest part was getting Simon Pegg to open the wrong door because he kept opening the right door. <laughs> so they'd keep doing more takes and landing the plane again. Uh, so if you have favorite stunts, we'd like you to send them in. We'd love to read them uh, on the podcast. You can send them to 3x3, that's 3x3, at quarter2x3.com, and we'll read them on the air. Next week we are seeing... <laughs> Ricky and the Flash. Yeah, we are. A Meryl Street movie. Uh, yeah. So we're seeing that instead of uh, 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 Transporter Rebooted or whatever that is that's opening next week. <laughs> yeah, we'll be missing that one, I'm afraid. Uh, so I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Maltolinolinsky. It's Christian Moroski. And we also had with us Kelly Wand. What'll it be, Fletch? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great Joe Don Decker, Kelly. He's all I can do. Dingus, we completed our assignment. We killed the right people, finally. It was pretty complicated. We should have aimed better. What do you think?
Be careful, little girl. This world is a dangerous place. Well, yeah, I knew that. I'm, I'm here to fence the goods. I didn't realize. Don't make me tell everybody that you smell like bad paper. <laughs>